As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. El Renatino. KCAA. Loma Linda. KCAA Radio now joins the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. All right. If you have a Bible with you today, let me invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter, well, we're going to read a passage out of chapter 43 and also a passage out of chapter 46. Happy New Year. Happy New Year is a greeting that we use uh, a lot this time of the year. I hope you do. And uh, I hope that you use that other greeting, you know, uh, for the earlier holiday that we celebrated last Thursday, let's see that what was that happy holiday? Merry Christmas! All right, Merry Christmas. Well, Happy New Year, uh, because it is such a common thing. I think we seldom really think about what we're doing when we say Happy New Year, because what we think is, well, it's just kind of like saying hello, uh, or maybe whenever you're leaving, it's like saying goodbye. But in reality, when we stop to think about it, the greeting, Happy New Year, is a pronouncement of blessing. Think about it. Especially if you're a believer in Christ and you tell somebody Happy New Year, it's a pronouncement of blessing. It is a desire. It is a wish for someone else to have, uh, to have a happy life, to have a a, a great, a great new year, a special new year. Now, I want you to listen to what Psalms 1 says, uh, and then we're going to get to Isaiah in a minute. It says, blessed is the man, and that's generic, okay? Blessed is the person that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now listen, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. Now that first word that, that's translated blessed literally means the happy condition. Okay? Now, when we're blessed, we find ourselves to be in a happy condition, don't we? Or sometimes we get in a happy condition, we consider ourselves blessed. But the author gives a further description there in verse 2 when he says that 
His delight, okay? A, a person's delight, a person's joy, a person's uh, fulfillment or purpose is discovered where? In the Word of God. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. You see, uh, the, the person who is blessed or who is enjoying the happy condition, the person who is living in delight is that person who spends time with God in His Word. And he can be found in a happy condition uh, when he resists the temptation to be associated with sin or to be associated with sinners in their sin. Now, I... I I feel like that it's necessary for me to include that last part of that of that sentence because we have to associate with sinners, okay? I mean, we are to be a witness to them. We are to be a testimony to them. We are to demonstrate the love of God to them. But he says that we're not to associate them when they're involved in all of their all of their all of their junk, all of their all of their stuff, you see? So we have to be careful. And we find ourselves, and, li and listen, I want to tell you something. When you win one of those victories, like if you're around somebody and they're involved in something they shouldn't be involved in, and you just simply say, and, and this, is, this has happened to me, my wife and I are very uncomfortable around beverage alcohol. And on one occasion, I was doing a wedding and was invited to the rehearsal dinner. We went to the rehearsal dinner and went in to sit down. We were a little later than everybody else because we locked up the church. And so we got there a little later than everybody else. We walked in. They've got the tables all lined up, and everybody on every table had a beer in their hand, you know. And I went to the to the mother of the bride, and I said, I'm sorry, we're not going to stay because my wife and I are both uncomfortable around beverage alcohol, And so, but we appreciate the invitation. I didn't want her to feel badly or that I was condemning just to let her know where I stood on the matter. And so we turned around and walked out. She apologized. I said, you don't need to apologize. This is our conviction, and this is the way we feel. You know what? I walked out, and I was happy as a lark. I was carrying my head high and my shoulders back because I felt like that I had stood as a testimony for Jesus in the midst of a difficult situation, and it would have been even more difficult, uh, more difficult if we had stayed. So we have to consider and take into consideration everything, and if it's true then I want to tell you it stands to reason that when when a person doesn't spend time with God in His Word and when he is surrendering to temptations, he loses his delight and he loses his joy. Okay? So when you stop and think about that then, if you're living a life and you don't have any you don't have any delight, you don't have any joy, you don't have any happiness, you're not in that happy condition, then maybe it's time to sit back and examine. Because I want to tell you something circumstances, that is what's going on around you in and through your life, doesn't control whether or not you have joy. You can have the joy of the Lord despite everything in the world falling down around you. Okay? It's not based on that. It's based on the condition of your heart as you trust, as you trust in the Lord. Well, today, <clears throat> today we're going to get ready for New Year's. I want to give you some keys to a happy new year found in Isaiah chapter 43 and in Isaiah chapter 46. Now, 
Normally you would read 43 and 46, but actually I'm going to deal with verse, the verses in 46 before I deal with the verses in 43. So which way do you want me to read it to you? Backwards. We're going to read it backwards. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 8. <clears throat> Remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Isaiah writes the word of the Lord. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it, will, now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers and rivers in the desert. Now, I want you to notice that in these two passages, we are encouraged both to remember and to remember not. We're encouraged both to remember and to remember not. Now, why is it? It, it, it almost seems like uh, the, the two passages, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that again in a minute, are diametrically opposed. But I want you to notice, I want you to notice what he's talking about. I want you to notice uh, what he says. First, I want to talk about what to remember. One of the keys to the new year is that we need, there are some things that we need to remember Things that we need to, that he brings up in these verses that need to be in our memory. Remember, first of all, and I think this is the key, I think this is the key to this whole deal. Remember, first of all, that you're a sinner. Okay? We don't want to lose, we don't want to lose that, that thought because that helps to keep us on track. Because if we get to thinking that we have no sin or we've never sinned, First uh, John chapter uh, 1 and verses 8 and 10, then we deceive ourselves, he says, and the truth is not in us. So we need to remember, and that's what he says here, verse 8, Isaiah 46, verse 8, remember this and show yourselves, men, bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors, okay? So God says, remember this, that you're a sinner. Now, that, uh, God loves sinners, by the way. He loved me, and He loves you, and He loves sinners. But, but He says we need to remember this. Now, I think His choice of words on this matter are interesting. He says, number one, He says, remember. Number two, He says, show yourselves men. In other words, own up to it. Be honest. Uh, take it like a man. Do what you're supposed to do. And then three, He says, bring it to mind. Okay, what is this remember part? He reminds us that we're sinners, as David wrote in his prayer. He says, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So when David prayed to God, he said, you're the one that I've sinned against. You're the one that I've done this, uh, to, against whom I've done this, this evil. Psalm chapter 51 and verse 4. So even though our, even though we have our best day, our, our best day, on our best day, we still fall short of the glory of God. On our best day. I mean, even if you sleep all day, you know, people used to tell my mama, he's a good boy. She said, yeah, when he was asleep. She was so positive and encouraging. 
The bad thing was she knew me too well, you see. She knew exactly what I was like. Oh, I was such a good boy. Even on our best day, we fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Then he says, the second part, not only remember the fact that you're a sinner, but then he says, show yourselves men. Now, I, I believe this is included because you and, I, you and I are great at generalizations, aren't we? We're great at generalizations. The way we like to deal with our sin is to say, Lord, please forgive me for all my sins. That's the way we like to do it. You know what? That's not what God really wants us to do. What God really wants us to do is to say, Lord, please forgive me for procrastinating. Please forgive me for my evil thoughts. God, please forgive me that I said something that I shouldn't have said. You see, and and the thing about it is, uh, uh, I'm still kind of generalizing because I just really don't want to tell you all everything that I've done, and and I've already said it to God anyway, so He knows. Okay, so He knows you don't. <laughs> he knows, and you don't need to know. Okay, the correct answer is Amen. Thank you. Okay. So, first of all, he says, he says, own up to it. Be honest with God. He says, uh, confess your sins. You know what it means to confess your sins? First John chapter one, verse nine. It means to agree with God, to agree with God, just agree with God. David said, I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. He said, I realize I see it. In other words, he said, when my eyes are open, when my eyes are closed, I still see what I've done. And it is evil, evil in the sight of the Lord. So don't let your uh, sins be lost in the sea of generalization, but rather allow your sins to be lost in the sea of God's forgiveness one at a time. Confess your sins. So the first thing he says, he said, okay, I want you to remember. And then he said, he said, I want you to remember that you're a sinner, and then I want you to own up to it. I want you to realize it. And finally, he says, bring it again to mind. Bring it again to mind. Now, if there's something that you need to be reminded of again, then that means you haven't gotten a victory over it. Now, it may mean that God has forgiven it, but maybe you haven't forgiven yourself, or maybe you haven't forgiven someone else, or maybe you haven't allowed God to take this uh, and 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 remove it so that you might find a victory. Now, I want you to know that the way God gets victories in your life over your evil doings, over your sin, is by confessing it, okay? Now, if you confess it today and you do it again tomorrow, then let me tell you what you need to do. You say, well, I'll be too embarrassed to talk to God about it tomorrow because I talked to Him about it yesterday. He wants you to talk about it tomorrow too, Okay. If you go back and do the same thing over and over again, the only way you're ever going to get victory over that is to allow him to bring it, bring it to mind again and again, and then the victory will be yours. When you sincerely confess your sins to God, he forgives and he cleanses, and then he forgets that that sin ever existed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You come to Him sincerely, He forgives. You confess it to Him, you admit it, you agree with Him, He forgives. Now, someone would say, 
How can he do that? It's in the scripture today. Scripture says, I am God and there is none else. You know what that means? There's not any more gods. I am God, he says, and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. That's how he can do it. Can we do it? No, 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 no. We can't do it. We don't have the mind of God. And yet he can do that. Forgive and forget. Okay. Secondly, two points only today. <clears throat> Secondly, what to remember not. Okay. Or what not to remember. Now I want you to think about this. <clears throat> I want to read those two little thoughts for you again. Because I think it's interesting that the words of verse 18 seem to be, as we said, diametrically opposed to the words that we just read over in 46 and verse 9. One says, remember the former things of old. The other says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Wow. One says, remember. The other says, remember not. The other says, don't remember. Now, how can both of these statements be true? Remember that I said we need to remember in order to deal with it, okay? We're fixing to head into a new year. Let's start out clean, okay? That's a, that's a, a whole idea. Uh, that's the idea of resolutions, except resolutions usually have to do with works. I want to do have something to do with matters of spirituality, and so we remember so that we can do. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Deal with it. We allow God to bring it up so that we can confess it, so that we can find forgiveness and cleansing and purification for our hearts and minds. But then we need to forget it, remember it not. We need to forget it so that we can move on. You see, it's unhealthy to dwell in the past. And if you want to really have a happy new year, you must first deal with the failures of 2014. Okay? Anybody make any mistakes this year? Besides me. All right. Sure, we've all made mistakes. 
deal with those mistakes, deal with those failures, deal with the sins of the past in order, <coughs> excuse me, in order that you might move on. You see, you must realize uh, this is something that we have a hard time doing as humans. We must realize that the past is history. You can't change history. Okay? You can't change history. That's the reason that we're told to live one day at a time, you see. Let's make history. But let's make better history than the history past for ourselves and for those who are around us. We, we have to realize the past is history and that we can't change it. So here God tells us not to dwell in the past because He is the God of today. And He is the God of tomorrow. He knows about the past. He says, let's put it behind us and let's move on. He is the God of second chances. And to live in the past is counterproductive. In fact, to live in the past is depressing, isn't it? It's depressing to live in the past. We've got to look for something new and we've got to look for something better. God says... Behold, now listen, I, I, we're right back in our scripture here again in verse 43. He, I mean, chapter 43, he says, Behold, I will do a new thing. New it shall spring forth. Shall you not know? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Okay, now I think he included that last part about rivers in the desert because uh, if you've ever been to the desert you know there are no rivers there uh, it's it's a strange phenomenon that whenever you get in the sand you, you have to dig to find water and sometimes it's way down there there's no but he says look i'm god i can do whatever i want to do I, I i'm gonna make you a way we're gonna walk in this wilderness that we call life okay because sometimes it can be like a wilderness with all of its pitfalls and all of its dangers. And he said, I'll show you the way. I'll make a way. I, he said, and, and in reality, when you consider what he's willing to do for us, it's like a highway. Okay? It's not just a way. It's like a highway because it's God's way. He said, I'll make a way in the wilderness. And he said, I will make rivers. I will bring rivers into the desert. Folks, God is literally inviting us to get on board with Him and let Him lead us through this wilderness we call life to a place, by the way, on the other side where there is glory and praise and worship of Almighty God where we will live with Him forever and ever. I want you to know that God has great plans. How big are your plans? How big are your plans for New Year? Let me tell you something. God has great plans. They're a lot bigger than yours, but He wants you to go with Him. <laughs> you know the way we like to do it? We like to invite Him along with us, don't we? Because we want to be in charge. Well, let me tell you something. He wants to be in charge. And if we'll let Him be in charge, He has great plans. He wants to make you happy. He wants to delight you. He wants to bless you in every way in this new year. Surrender to Him. Remember what's happened in the past. Bring it to mind. Think about it. Own up to it. Confess it. Find forgiveness for it. 
and then go to Thursday. Well, you don't have to wait till then. You can go the rest of the day and right on through. Boldly living for and serving Jesus Christ. He will show you the way. The keys to a happy new year are to remember your sins and deal with them today and forget the past and join the Lord's plans for the future, you see. Put the past in the past and take a hold of God's hand and follow Him wherever He would wherever He would lead you. I have a poem for you today and I want to conclude with this. It's titled, Just One Request. Dear Master, for this coming year, just one request I bring. I do not pray for happiness or any earthly thing. I do not ask to understand the way Thou leadest me. But this I ask, teach me to do the thing that pleaseth Thee. I want to know Thy guiding voice, to walk with Thee each day. Dear Master, make me swift to hear and ready to obey. And thus the year I now begin, a happy year will be, if I am seeking just to do the thing that pleaseth Thee. Seek in this new year to do what pleases the Lord. Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for this opportunity to read Your Word, to understand Your Word, to comprehend Your Word, and to live by the power of Your Word. And dear Father, I thank You for my brothers and sisters you've gathered in Your house today. And I pray Your blessings upon each one. And I pray especially today for those who may not have yet come to faith in Christ Jesus. God, what a way to start a new year through faith. And in that, in that opportunity to know that you've committed your life to Christ. Dear God, I pray for those who are here today who have never accepted Christ. May this be the day of realization for them that they are sinners lost and need to be saved. And they can only be saved by the grace of God through faith in the name of Jesus. Speak to our hearts today, Lord. Challenge us to be more like what you want us to be. To start this new year with our sins in the past and a bright future before us. And lead us, Lord, along the way in the wilderness. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Pastor David McNary. All right, if you have a Bible with you today, let me invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John. The title of the message today is Ambassadors of the New Birth ambassadors of the new birth. Now, I want to introduce the title because whenever we think of an ambassador, we think of a representative. But when we think of an ambassador, we also think of a person. I'm not talking about a person here. I'm talking about the actions of our life which represent the fact that we've been born again. In other words, <clears throat> that was that part of that peanut, I think. <clears throat> In other words, what we do represents who we are better than what we say. 
It's easy to say you've been born again. It's easy to say you're a child of God, but your life, the way you live, must represent that reality. Now, the book of 1 John is one of my favorite books. I, I just love this book because John speaks with such simplicity. He speaks in such a way that anybody and everybody can understand. And here where we're going to read today, I want you to see that this book, this letter that John wrote is a picture. It's a picture puzzle, a, a, a picture puzzle with a clear theme. The theme is very clear in this in this puzzle. It's like a picture of three spotted puppies. They all are very similar, but just like we talked about with the peanut a while ago, each one of them are different just a little bit. It's a well-balanced picture. It has a lovely background, certainly, but attention is immediately attracted to the central theme. And that central theme it can be stated in three words. They are these three. One, faith. Two, love. Three, obedience. Faith, love, and obedience. And you can go back all the way back to chapter 2, and you can find these, these themes beginning to be developed by uh, by the Apostle John as he wrote this as he wrote this letter. So today I want us to take a look at these three things because in John chapter 5 and in verse 1 through 5, he brings them all together. He, he's, um, he's, he's making a summation here, I think, and he brings them all together. And I want you to see what he has to say here in these first five verses. He says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the one, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is it that overcomes the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Now I want us to take a look at these verses. I said that it was a culmination. I said that he was bringing them all together. The central theme of Faith, love, and obedience. And if you look at these passages of Scripture, believe or faith is presented in verse four, verse 1, verse 4, and verse 5. The word love is used five times in three verses, in verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3. Obedience is represented by keeping His commandments, the phrase keeping His commandments, and that's found in verse 2 and verse 3. So it's multiple instances that these uh, thoughts that this central theme is presented uh, throughout throughout this little section. So here John completes the puzzle by putting in the last pieces. Don't you always love it whenever you're the one with the last piece to the puzzle? And don't you always hate it whenever you look and you can't find the last piece to the puzzle? And you discover that your wife has it in her pocket? No, I'm just teasing but this puzzle is completed now. John R.W. Stott says they are so closely, these three themes are so closely woven together into a single coherent fabric that it is difficult to unpick and disentangle the threads. He said these things are so 
so brought together and so put together in such a way that that you can't break them apart. They, they shouldn't be broken apart because they are representatives. They are ambassadors from the land of new birth. They represent a life which has been changed by the power and the authority of Almighty God. John wrote in, in the gospel that we were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the new birth, folks. That's the new birth. And we're talking about our new birth experience. So it's easy to say that we've been born again, but it's not always so easy to represent that, to send out these ambassadors. But these three are the ambassadors, the ambassadors of the new birth. Now I want you to see how they all how they all fit together. First of all, we want to talk about faith found in chapter in, in verse one and verse four, and also in verse five. In verse 1, he uses the phrase, is born of God. Now, I think it's very interesting uh, oftentimes to spend a little more time to study because, you see, that phrase, even though it is accurate, it is it, it doesn't give you all the information because that phrase is written in the Greek language in the present perfect tense, in the present perfect tense. Now, that tells us something, and so... It is stated, and we should understand that he is saying something more. What he says is, and, and this is critical for us in our Christian faith, what he's saying is, whoever believes Jesus is the Christ is born of God and remains a child of God. That, that, that little phrase there is, is expanded because it tells you that, yeah, you're born into the family of God, but you remain a child of God. Now, isn't that always true? You think about it. You think about it. What about a child? A child that's born into a family. Now, I don't know what all is going to happen. Who knows what's going to happen throughout that lifetime. But that child will always and forever be the child of his parents. Doesn't matter if you disown them. Doesn't matter what happens. That child will always be your child. Now, I want to tell you something. When you're, this is important. When you're born into the family of God as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ, you are forever and always a member of God's family. You're forever His child. That can't be, that can't be taken away because you're born into the family of God through the blood. It's the bloodline through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, please listen carefully. This is, I almost need this on the screen so that you can read it with me and I'll probably state it twice because it's very, very important. In the Greek text, the lesson that is taught is this. Our present continuing activity of believing, okay? It's your present action of faith. He says, our present continuing activity of believing is the result and therefore the evidence of our past experience of new birth by which we became and remain God's children. Okay, so what he's saying is that we're saved as a result of faith. We're born in the family of God as a result of faith, and that same faith represents our faith. Okay, it is an ambassador. You have to, Now, faith is an active word. You need to know that, okay? We, we think that Faith is something, I don't know how we figured out.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But we think faith is something that happens to us, but faith is not what happens to you. Faith is what you do. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you intentionally uh, call upon His name. You intentionally become a part of His family. And so this faith is an action. This faith is an activity. This faith is a demonstration of where we started. We grow up in our faith as we live uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in the book of Romans... Um, over in the book of Romans chapter 1, listen to this. Paul says, the, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Listen, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. He says the righteousness of God is revealed from, listen, faith to faith. Now, why would he say that? From faith to faith, because faith is the beginning place, but faith is also the action of the, of the person who is born again. In the latter part of verse 17 of Romans chapter 1, it says, the just shall live by faith. Well, how do you get to be just? By believing in Christ, right? You're, you're justified by faith, but after you've been justified, you still must live by faith. There's another passage of Scripture. It's over there in that chapter we were reading in the beginning. <clears throat> in chapter 5. Well, if you go down there a little further down to verse 10. The Scripture says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Listen, if a person uh, a person who comes along, and, and this is, I think this is a very important statement. I'm glad I didn't make it. God made it. But here's what he said, he that believeth not God hath made him a liar. The person who is unwilling to believe in God is calling God a liar. Well, that's true. You stop to think about it. God reveals himself throughout his holy word uh, to us. He reveals himself in, in, in mighty and wonderful ways. He reveals himself uh, to us through, as we studied this morning, natural revelation and special revelation 
He reveals himself to us, and if we say that he doesn't exist or we don't believe in him, then we're calling him a liar. Now, I don't think anybody wants to stand before God and say, God, you're a liar. But in reality, in reality, that's what we do. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's very simple, as I said. John is just right so simply, so easily understandable. He that hath the Son, he who has believed in Jesus, has eternal life. He who has not believed in Jesus does not have eternal life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now listen. And that you may believe on the Son of God. Now wait a minute. He just said that, didn't he? That's why it's important for us to understand that yes, we are born into the family of God as a result of our faith. But we also must continue on living in that same faith. We have to continue to believe. Now, I found some people before that say, well, you know, I'm a believer in Christ. But I sure am struggling with this or that or the other. I sure am having a problem with this. Well, do you believe God can handle it? Well, I'm not sure. Well, let me just tell you, He can. <laughs> if you're not sure, He can, but you have to believe. You have to trust Him. You have to allow Him to give you leadership. You have to allow Him <clears throat> to do His work in your life. So the first thing, the first thing, the first ambassador, the first representative of, of the new birth in your life is your faith. It needs to be seen. It needs to be demonstrated on a daily basis. The second thing is love. The second thing is love. Now, John says that this faith, which is both the cause and effect of the new birth, also causes us to love both God and his children. <clears throat> John 1 John 5, 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That is simple. If you believe, then you're born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments <clears throat> are not grievous. Okay, now I want you to take a look at that because I think it's very important for us. This faith that we have causes us to live by faith. It also causes us, this new birth experience causes us to love God and to love His children. To love God and to love His children. Now, I realize that some of you may have taken verse uh, verse 1 to, to say, well, now, wait a minute, it's talking about uh, when it says that, uh, 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 talks about Him that begat, Loved him also that is begotten. You, it's, it's easy to think that maybe in that last begotten, he's talking about Jesus. Now, certainly Jesus was begotten of God. The Bible tells us, of, tells us that. But that begotten is the same one who is involved in the first part of this chapter where he says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, if you're born of God, you've been begotten of God, right? So this is talking about the fact that, yes, we have been born again as a result of our faith in Christ, 
the result is that we love God and that we love the other children, that we love our siblings, okay? Now look around you. You have siblings in the room. Did you know that? We're talking about spiritual siblings, you know? Spiritual siblings. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what he's talking about. He says that that love that we have for one another represents our love for God. There's no better way for you to demonstrate your love for God than to love His children. (coughs) Excuse me. We have to love His children. That's what he's talking about here. Over in chapter chapter 2 and verse 10. Um... Yeah, excuse me, I'm tempted to um, read verse 9 too. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brothers in darkness even until now. Wow, I said John was simple, to the point. Verse 10, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Jesus is light and there there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Over in chapter 3, uh, in verse 14, he says, We know that we have passed from death unto life. What? Because we love the brethren. Because we love the brethren. We know what? We know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. It's it's the demonstration of our faith, of our new birth. In verse 18 of chapter 3, he says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. He said, you can say it all day long. You know what? If, if I come to you and tell you that I love you and I treat you like dirt, you're going to say you don't really love me. It's a lie, isn't it? It's a lie, isn't it? He says we need to love not only in tongue, but also in, in deed. That love needs to be a demonstration. The word love is like the word faith. It is a word, it is a word of action. And our love for our fellow man is a sign of our Christian faith. Listen to this passage over in the book of <clears throat> the book of John, chapter thirteen. In in John, the the Gospel of John, chapter thirteen. Listen to what he says over in verse thirty five. Jesus said, "By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another." How is it that we show people that we belong to Jesus by loving one another? By loving one another. Now, it's it's important for us to love people who are not believers. But it's even more critical for us to love one another. Because if those people out there who are not believers see us fighting with each other in here, they don't want to have anything to do with us. Because we are not representing our Christian faith. We are not being ambassadors. We're not showing forth the love that God has poured out on us. You say, well, that person didn't treat me right. Well, did you treat God right? (laughs) Stop to think about it. Yet God still loved you. He still brought you into His family. He made you one of His children. The Revised Standard Version of the Bible There in the in in uh, in verse five, in the latter part. I mean, in the latter part of verse one says he's it it's, puts it this way. It says, "Everyone who loves the parent loves the child. Everyone who loves the parent loves the child." Now we're talking about the common parent, our heavenly Father, 
Everyone that loves the parent loves the child. Now the commentator says this, it is no more possible to love the other children of God and not love God than to love God without loving his other children. There are spiritual siblings, okay? Now you may not like them at times, but you got to love them. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like them. Get over it, all right? Whatever they've done to you, you just need to throw it out the window and forget it, okay? Go to them and say, I'm sorry. You say, well, they did me wrong. That's all right. You have bad feelings toward them. Go tell them you're sorry. Can I get an amen? You know it's true. You know it's true. We're to love one another. So the ambassadors, the ambassadors of the new birth are faith and love. And what was the third one? Obedience. Obedience. Obedience found in verse 2 and verse 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His what? Commandments. Obedience to God. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Now what? This is the love of God that we keep His commandments? And His commandments are not grievous. They're not grievous. Now folks, John's putting the last piece in the puzzle and it completes, it completes the puzzle with this representative of the new birth in your life. This representative of Christian faith. We know that that love is a word of action and that action results in obedience. Do you love God? Do you love God? If you love God, that means you plan to be obedient to God. Right? Just like these young people over here. They love their parents, so they're going to be obedient and do everything that their parents say. Somebody say amen. Well, doesn't make doesn't mean we don't make boo-boos once in a while, okay, and mistakes, and and we get a little, you know, big on ourselves and do things our way, and then we come back to say, okay, mom and dad, you were right. Now, you young people over there don't realize it, but there'll come a day when you're about 25 years old when you realize that mom and dad weren't so dumb after all. <laughs> Just so you know, it'll come. There'll be a time when it will come. Listen, folks. We must be obedient. We must keep the commandments of God. He says, I think he says something very, very interesting about these commandments. He says that these commandments are not grievous for those who are believers. Okay? They're not grievous for those who are believers. Why is that? Because we're not living under keeping the commandments, obedience. We don't have to. It's not that. We do it because we love God. That's what we just read. We love God. And so the result is we live for God. We live in obedience. We live in obedience to Almighty Almighty God. We demonstrate our love through our sacrificial service. Through uh, We demonstrate our love to God by, by doing as He has told us. In John 14, 21, Jesus said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Wow, John is so plain and so simple. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Did you see that? You didn't even know that verse was in there, did you? Oh, you've read it before. I'm not saying that. We don't realize what he's saying. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he's the one that loves me, He's the one that demonstrates his love to me. 
The commentator says the commandments of God today, whether found in the Old Testament or the New, appear intolerably burdensome to the world. <laughs> he talked to somebody about, about the commandments of God and it just, just makes them shudder. Just makes them shiver if they don't know Jesus as personal Savior and Lord. He says, but to the children of God, they are not grievous because whatever is born of God, listen, overcometh the world. He that is in us, you see, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I think it's interesting. One more thought here. Verse four. Notice that he says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. He didn't say whosoever. Okay? Whoso he didn't say whosoever. If he'd have used the word whosoever, then we would think that the victory is ours. But we're not the ones who won the victory. He's the one who won the victory, and he's done it in us and through us and for us because he first loved us. Folks, the new birth is a supernatural event. And that supernatural event causes us to be transformed. When you really believe in Jesus Christ, you will begin at that point in your life to live, to live for Jesus, to live by faith, to show forth the love of God to other people, and likewise to walk in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, the ambassadors of the new birth, the representations in your life of the new birth are these three. They got to be there. You got to live by faith. You got to walk in your life in love, love for God, love for one another, and an obedience, obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's another old song. <clears throat> it goes like this. Encamped. Along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe in veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Listen, faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. What? Faith is the victory we know. Faith overcomes the world. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. Are you here today a Christian, a believer in Christ? You know that you've been born again. You believe with all your heart you've been born again. If so, if so, if that's a reality in your life, then you need to send out these ambassadors. You need to represent that new birth. You need to represent that Faith that's in your life. You need to represent it in living by faith. You get sometimes you just have to don't you can't understand why you don't have to understand why you're just going to keep on living and keep on doing because God said to. <laughs> when God called Abraham, He said, "Okay, I'm going to send you to another place." Now I've said this many times. I wouldn't have been like Abraham. Okay, God, wait a minute. Do I have any choice in the matter? Number one. Number two, uh, where are we going? Uh, number two, number three, are they going to be nice to me there? You know, are they going to treat me right? Are they going to respect me? And, and, and number four, why, why do I have to move? I want to stay right here, you know? That would have been the way I'd have responded. You know what Abraham did? 
God said, I want you to a place that I will show you. I'm not going to tell you where it is, how long it's going to take you to get there, if there's going to be anybody there or not, and especially if not, if they're going to be friendly. But I want you to go. And Abraham said, I'll go. Walk with God. He knew about faith. God would not lead him astray. Now, there's a lot of things in this world lead you astray, but God is not one of them. Okay? So we have to represent our faith by our faith. We have to, rep have to represent our faith by our love for God and by our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have to represent our faith by walking in obedience. Now, that means doing what God says to do and not doing what God says not to do. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Well, it's simple to say, isn't it? Today, you know, there may be someone in this place who's never <clears throat> taken the opportunity and the privilege to call upon the name of the Lord and be born again. You don't you, you, you say, well, you know what, these things I, I kinda I kinda do these things. I kinda believe and I you know, I, I, I do love, I love my friends, I love my family and all of that and and, and I, most of the time I do a pretty good job of doing what God wants me to do, but I've never really been born again. Listen, these day these things don't represent anything in your life if you're not born again. You have to be born again. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Over and over again, we talked about the importance of faith, 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 about believing in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. You need to know this. You cannot, you cannot get into heaven without faith in Jesus Christ. That will not be your eternal destiny. I want you to know that. We live in a society, in a world uh, today that says everybody's going to heaven. No, not everybody's going to heaven. Not everybody's going to heaven. You say, why do you say that, preacher? Because the Bible says it, that's why. And the Bible is God's Word. God gave it to us so that we could understand the way to heaven. And it's not hard, it's simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And there may be somebody here today who's never been saved. I pray that you'd receive Christ today. That you'd allow Him to come into your life and take control. That you would believe in Him. That you would begin a journey of faith. And that you would allow Him to grow in you and that relationship to grow in you so that you might be more like Him. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for the Word of God. Thank You, Lord, that You make it clear and that You make it simple. Lord, I pray for anyone who's here today who's never believed on Jesus and received Him as personal Savior, Lord. I pray for anyone here today who's never been born again, never received eternal salvation, I pray, Father, that by the power of Your Spirit You would speak very clearly to them right now and that somehow or another they would surrender their life, call upon the name of the Lord, and enter into a personal relationship with Almighty God. And dear Father, I pray for Christians, for believers today. Father, sometimes we get distracted with the world and with, with the things of this life. And God, we forget about loving You and we forget about loving our neighbors and we forget about walking in obedience. And dear God, I pray that You'll speak to our hearts today. I pray that You will renew our faith and that You'll renew our courage, our courage to walk in obedience to You. And I pray that You'll renew our love, Father, not only for You, but our love one for another. That, Father, we might 
go out from this place to show that we are truly, truly believers in Jesus Christ and that we might walk with Him. Now, Lord, speak our hearts today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Perry, what's wrong? You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. A podcast of this service is available on demand at the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. To listen to this service at any time, go to the KCAA Sunday schedule and click the podcast link under the image of Pastor McNary. The Pruitt Baptist Church is located at 9908 State Highway 110 in Van, Texas. The Sunday worship schedule includes Bible study at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and evening worship at 6 p.m. For more information about the Pruitt Baptist Church, visit their website at www.pruittbaptistchurch.com or call 903-963-7473. We now invite you to enjoy some great gospel music for the remainder of the hour right here on KCAA Loma Linda, California, the station that leaves no listener behind.
You've been listening to the greatest gospel music of all time right here on KCAA Loma Linda, California, the station that leaves no listener behind. The station that leaves no listener behind. This is 1050 AM, serving Riverside, San Bernardino, KCAA Loma Linda. Look out, America. Here comes the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Dubbed a corporate coup d'etat by Public Citizens Global Trade Watch, it's a grandiose grab for power masked as a trade deal, allowing an unprecedented level of global corporate rule over Americans. Let's take a quick look at what we'll be getting into. The trade hoax. Of the document's 29 chapters, only five address tariffs and other actual trade matters. The other 24 consist of various ways to free corporations from any accountability and from any responsibility to the world community's common good. Bye-bye, buy American. TPP dictates that all corporations based in any member nation must be given equal access to the public dollars that any government spends on equipment, food, highway projects, etc. Thus, our own national, state, and local governments would no longer be free to give preference to suppliers of our choice. Buy American and buy local programs could be challenged by private corporations. Wall Street rides again. If anyone doubts that this pact is a corporate boondoggle dressed in trade clothes, let them read its shameful financial provisions. Too big to fail laws, ensuring that the cost of a bank's collapse would be borne by investors, not taxpayers. Under TPP, giant global banks could scamper into private tribunals to grab billions of our tax dollars if they have to comply with such laws. Also, our nation's financial regulations would have to be harmonized to comply with TPP's extreme deregulation, recreating the anything-goes-Wall-Street ethic that crashed the world economy in 2008. A Robin Hood tax on volatile, super-high-speed speculators? Nope. TPP specifically lets global banks challenge and kill these laws. This is Jim Hightower saying, to stop the TPP, go to exposethetpp.org. What is the Del Wamsley Radio Show? Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. You need to stop being dependent on a paycheck. All of these self-help motivational people, they wind you up like a little clock. Click, 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 and then they let you go. Boom. Who is the show about? I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Learn the secrets of building wealth from Del Wamsley. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to noon, right here on KCAA. This is KCAA. Exploring Science in the Sea. Beaches can be fragile. Wind and waves grind away at them while human development can choke them off. And big storms can wash them away in hours. That leaves a question for the folks in charge of a damaged beach. In strictly economic terms, is it worth the cost to replace it? In the case of one small beach in Texas, the answer seems to be yes. A team of researchers found that the beach contributes much more to the economy than it would cost to replace it. The researchers conducted a survey of beachgoers at a park near Matagorda, Texas. The park is a good way from any major city, so for much of the year, it's pretty quiet. The researchers visited the park at different times of year, late summer, winter, and during spring break. They asked the beachgoers about their activities, how well they liked the beach and its facilities, and even whether they thought there was too much seaweed. 
Most important, they asked how much money each group on the beach spent on its visit. Travel costs, hotels, food, and so on. That added up to about $1,200 per person. Multiplied by the estimated number of visitors, that's somewhere between $2 million and $18 million per year. The Matagorda Beach has never had to be restored, so the researchers looked at other beaches that have been. They estimated it would cost a bit more than $2 million to replace it. So based on the numbers alone, they concluded that if anything ever happens to the beach, it would be well worth the cost to replace it. This episode of Science in the Sea was made possible by Texas Sea Grant. For the University of Texas Marine Science Institute, I'm Holly Brawley. for the Howard Stern Show, but now I'm doing my own radio show. Weekday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on KCAA 1050 AM. Thank you, Inland Empire, for listening to KCAA Radio. You're You're listening listening to to an encore encore presentation of this program program on AM 1050 KCAA, the Inland Talk Express. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.